the value of human life. And I'm going to skip a clever introduction and just get right to it. <laughs> so if you turn with me to Genesis. And while I was preparing this message, God took me, do you ever have those movies that you're watching and they kind of fast forward so you see the end of the movie before you actually watch the movie? You know what I'm talking about, right? Where you'll get a clip that kind of leaves you hanging and then it takes you back to the beginning and then all of a sudden by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, now I get it. Now I get what they just showed a little bit of. Well, while I was preparing this message, that's what God did to me. It's like he showed me what we mean to him from the very beginning, the very chapter one of Genesis, all the way to Revelation. And it was really cool. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it quickly and in a summarized version. But I want to take you through the pages of scripture and show you what you mean to God. Because when it comes to the value of human life, this is where we find that answer. So let's start in Genesis. We're in chapter 1. Okay, and in chapter 1 of Genesis, uh, God creates everything. You know, he creates the birds, the seas, the waters, the living creatures, the fish. He goes through all of creation, and he gets to a place where he creates us. He creates humankind. And I'm going to read verse 26 through 28 right there in chapter 1. In verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move among the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He said, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over all the fish and every living creature on the ground. This is so important because, you know, he could have stopped with the birds and the fish and the beautiful scenery, but he continued and created mankind in his own image. And what does that mean? You know, we hear that over and over and over again. In the image of God, we were created. Well, we're spiritual beings for one. We're meant to live forever. And we're also given choice in free will and a mind and intellect to choose. And that is something very unique in comparison to the other creatures that he created. And so he... He creates them, like God the Father, the Holy Spirit, to worship him. He was going to be their God. They were going to be his people. And I love a little bit later in verse 31, you know, he created all the things, and it says that God saw that all he had made was good. But then when he gets to the place that he created man and woman, He adds that very, and I don't think it's a mistake. In verse 31, he said, God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good. It was very pleasing to him, man and woman. And then in in chapter 3, in chapter 3, verse 8, staying in Genesis here, chapter 3, verse 8, I love this description, and this this is what, I mean, this is what God had in mind when he created man and woman. 
is living and dwelling with him. Look at this, chapter 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day. Just picture that for a second. The man and wife are in this garden. By the way, this garden of Eden, God created beautiful trees with fruit. They were going to live and dwell. Water, stream. They had everything they ever needed. And then they hear the Lord God walking in the garden. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. I mean, I, I sit outside in the back where we live, and a lot of times the only things I hear are the deer that are eating the neighbor's garden, <laughs> you know, walking. But they heard the footsteps of God. And, and unfortunately, we know, we know what happens next. There's this silly, sneaky serpent that lies to them, and um, unfortunately, God told them, you know, do not eat from the tree of knowledge. You can do, eat of all the trees. You can do all this wonder, but don't eat from that one tree. Of course, the snake comes and, and deceives them and says, oh, surely, surely God didn't mean that you would die if you ate from that tree. Surely he didn't mean that. And unfortunately, Eve took from the fruit and Adam thereafter, and then came sin and death. But... What I want to dwell in is the beginning. The beginning story here is that God created man in his image to live, dwell, commune, not to be of the same. God was God. We are not. But they were going to live and dwell and commune with each other until sin separated them. And then we go through, so that was Genesis, right? And so now we have this divide. And then you go through this whole chunk here in the Bible of grain offerings, animal sacrifices, uh, offerings to cover the sins of the people. God gives the people commands to obey and to follow. And there's sacrifices that have to be made to cover their sin, right? So it's the blood of these animals. And God sends judges and prophets to speak to his people and to continue to remind them to lead them back to repentance. So that's that chunk of the Bible. And then we get, then we get all the way over to the New Testament. And thank goodness we live in the New Testament as believers because I can't imagine what the animal activists would have been like in that day. Oh, my word. Like, and we are an animal-loving people as in general, right? I am married to an animal lover myself. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I get that. But can you imagine living in a day where this was just, I mean, the smell of the carcasses and this whole ordeal they had to go through. And then finally we get to a spot, and thank goodness, and thank our Lord Jesus Christ. He sends Jesus himself down to earth fully man, fully God, he takes on the wrath of God. Jesus takes on the wrath of God in our place and sends Jesus to die for us. And that is his ultimate display of love for us, right? He loved us in the, he loved Adam and Eve in the garden. He continued to love his people and lead them to repentance. 
Then he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. And, you know, we know the verse in many denominations, even memorize the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? A cornerstone to our faith. And that believe is an action. It takes more than an intellectual acknowledgement. It's a heart change. Someone that turns in repentance to face the cross and chooses to follow Jesus. And we're so thankful for that love that God poured out for us on the cross. And then, then we go a little bit further in our Bible to Acts. And in Acts... Jesus, after he dies and he rose again and goes back to heaven to sit by the Father God, he commands us as believers to continue to share this message of the resurrection, right? So that's Acts. Believers, go, teach, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's where we're living yet today. A few thousand years later, here we are in the church age, we're still sharing the message of Jesus Christ, but we're waiting for the return of Jesus to come again. So that's where we're at right now. God continues to love us how? Through a number of ways. The primary way is the Holy Spirit was given to us to live and dwell in us, to communicate with us, to counsel us, to guide us, to teach us all things. That's the Holy Spirit in us. And then we get to Revelation. So I'm just kind of doing a summary of the Bible here. We're going all the way to Revelation. In Revelation, there were a few things that just hit me when I kind of did this quick overview of God's plan for humanity. You know how I started in Genesis 1? Now we're at Revelation chapter 21. Okay? So I'm going to take you all the way to the back of the Bible, and I actually want you to turn there. Revelation chapter 21. Now, I know that I've known this. I know that I've heard this. I know that I've read this. But we all have those moments in time where you have a light bulb moment, right? You see that all the time. Like a fresh look at scripture and it's just like, wow. Well, I had one of those wow moments because... God started in Genesis by creating. And then in Revelation 21, he creates again. And I mean, I knew that, but I didn't really know it. So let's read it. Verse 21, or chapter 21, um, 2 through 4 is what I will read. And where we're at in scripture right now is that God is making all well. They went through the tribulation. And he has come again, and now he's creating. I'm going to start in verse 1. I changed my mind. (laughs) Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Notice that, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her, husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. 
They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older of things has passed away. A new Jerusalem. I remember Pastor Mike preaching on this when he took us through Revelation and uh, even going into the dimensions of the city and just the magnets of it all. But a new Jerusalem comes for us to live and dwell with God. Notice how he said, and he will dwell with them. God took me full circle. He made a garden to live and dwell with his people. And then things got messy for a number of years, (laughs) to say the least. And took us through the offerings and the cross and the church age, and we're waiting for Jesus to come again. However you look at it, you can look at Revelation at the end of Revelation. That's the end of what is written, but yet it's the beginning of our eternal life with him. But he wants to live and dwell with us. God loves us. In fact, it even looks like he likes us. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's promising for me. (laughs) I mean, if you've ever had children or you have a husband, you know that saying of like, I love you right now, but I don't have to like you. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that points to the fact that God not only loves us and sent his son Jesus for us, but he actually even likes us. And, okay, so so what, Casey? That's like the story, right, in a nutshell of humankind and mankind. But what about you, Leah? What about you, Dakota? What about me? There's a picture up there, and I'm trying to follow my notes, guys. There's a picture of there, slide six of my son, little Briar, sitting on a basketball court. And there is a tiny little, little boy sitting. No, not there. Sorry. Okay. Never mind. Um, Anyway, my son took a picture, Bennett took a picture of this big, big gym. And Briar was sitting in the middle of the court with a little basketball, and you can hardly see him. He's just tiny, right? And sometimes that's, I think, how we feel. You know, in a world of 7.8 billion people, and I Googled it three times because I couldn't believe it, um, B, B, billion. In a world of 7.8 billion people, you feel quite insignificant sometimes. And you know, you might even see the story of mankind, and you're like, yeah, I know God loves us collectively, right? It's pretty clear that he loves us, and he created us. But what about me? I'm going to read a few scriptures, and I don't have all these up on the PowerPoint, but I do have a few here that you can jot down in your notes that points to the fact that God knows you individually by name. One is in Revelation. We were just in Revelation 21, verse 27. It says, Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, 
but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there's our name. You know, know, there's all these billions of people, and some of the people will choose to follow Christ and some won't. But the ones that choose Christ are written in a book by name. Casey, Dakota, Leah, go on and on. There we are in a book. He knows our name. And you know, it's, I, I've, I've kind of dwelled on this book thing for a while, this book of life, and when was it written? You know, was it there from the beginning of time with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I don't know how it came about, but there's a book. We know it's a book, and our names are in it. And, you know, I don't know, was God writing it at some point? Was he like Abraham, Sarah, you know, Isaac, Paul, Peter? We get to the New Testament and writing the names, and then pretty soon, years later, he's going, Apple? (laughs) Like, when are the people starting to name their kids fruit? (laughs) Surely this is the end of times, right? Because the names just are collectively getting weirder. But whether you have a, (laughs) a biblical name, or Apple, Kiwi, Savannah, I don't, whatever your name is, it's in the book if you choose to follow Christ. But I, I just was dwelling on it. It's just a little detail. It's where my mind goes. But what does this book look like? How thick is it? Like, do the names just collectively get stranger before it comes back again? I don't know. All I know is that we're in it. We are in it if you're a believer in Christ. Another, another scripture that, that points to a God that loves us individually is in John 10, 14. You know, God is talking about a sh- he is a shepherd. In this illustration, God is a shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Is that illustration of, of course he knows you. You're his. You're his child. Like a shepherd knows his sheep, God knows us. Another one, and this is some of my favorites, Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 29 through 31 It says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valuable than the sparrows. Wow, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't dwell on the hair part. That'll lead you down a weird road too. But just think about the intricate detail that God thinks about you. This is another one. Zephaniah 3.17. Oh, I love this one. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Wow. That's another scripture that points to the fact that God doesn't just love us, but he actually likes us. And what does God sound like when he sings? Can you imagine that? And what does he even sound like when he sings over me? Or you? Isn't that precious? So God loves humankind, but he loves you individually. 
And when did he start loving you? The verses were already read in dedication, praise God. When did he start loving you? Life starts in the womb. And we're going to read my, you know, we read in Jeremiah earlier. We're going to go to Psalm now together. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. This one I think I do have up there. Good, yeah. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. That book, see, it is there again. God knit you in your mother's womb. He knew you, created you, made you, fearfully and wonderfully made. I know there's debate in our country on when does life happen? At what point is life made? When does life have value? I don't know what Bible other people are reading, but Psalm 139 makes it pretty clear here. It's not even gray. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of gray in our world, but this one isn't. Right here. God knew, formed, created, and has a purpose for every person created. Now, whether they choose to follow Jesus Christ is up to them because he didn't make us robots in Garden of Eden. He gave us a choice. He put the tree there on purpose. What kind of love is love if it's not a choice? But, but it's his desire that everyone would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And those babies in the womb are created by him. They're created by him, for him. And we read the next one in Psalm 127, verse 3. We read this one earlier, but children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. They're a blessing, they're a gift, they're a heritage. I was struck by Tiffany's letter. What a gift, what a miracle. But you know what? There are accidental parents in our world, but there are no accidental births. Amen? There are accidental parents, accidental pregnancies, but there are no accidents, no accidental births. Because God knows every single one of them. He has a plan for every single one of them. And that, you know, you might be wondering, why did we go through that that quick summary from Genesis to Revelation and why did we do that and the thing is is I think it's so lacking the knowledge of the love of the Father God for his people because if you understand your value as a child of God 
If you understand that, that he's part of that life in the womb, if you understand that he knows the hairs of your head and your name is written in a book, if that penetrates your heart, you will never, you would never stop the life and the heartbeat of a child within you. Now, I'm going to pause right there and say this. I know there's a number of you who may have had abortions at some point in your life. And you know, you know what? That cross where Jesus died, he bore that. He bore that wrath for you. So there's no guilt and there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There's no judgment from me up here for that decision. I want you to know that you can be loved, forgiven, redeemed, and set free from shame and guilt and condemnation because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But going forward, we have to share the love of Jesus Christ with those around us because I don't think we're going to intellectually argue our points and win because the human heart is wicked. Without, without the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our human heart is wicked, deceitful, goes astray. And when people don't know that they're loved by the creator God, when they don't know that, abortion will abound homicides will abound, suicides, terrorism, evil. We don't have a problem of abortion in America. We have a sin problem in America. And whenever you take Jesus Christ out of the language and teaching and foundations of the family unit, sin will abound. This is just one form of sin. It's not even very new. The Israelites at one point in their disobedience to God started sacrificing their little babies in offerings. It's not even a new sin. We see it in the Old Testament. Human sacrifice. But it's not the way of God. It is not what he died for. In America right now we have approximately side tens. It's approximately 862,320 abortions per year. That was in 2017. 18% of pregnancies, 18% of pregnancies in the U.S. end in abortion. That blew me away. That just blew me away. Imagine all of the life Imagine all the life and the potential that we've stopped. Now those babies and those humans that were created by God, I believe very much so, are in his presence right now. And he makes no mistakes. Those babies are in his presence. And you all who have unfortunately had a miscarriage, I believe very much will see your babies again. But what strikes me so much about where we are in a society right now is the fact that that we have come back to the sin of, I think, what started way back here with, with Eve. Now, the serpent told her, you, you know, you could be like God if you ate that 
that fruit. You could be like God, knowing good and evil. And it's enticing to want to be kind of like God, isn't it? I mean, we're prideful people. We want to be better. Oh, yeah, that, that seems... I don't want to just be a person that worships God. Maybe I could be more like him. And it's that same sin that we see, like, even when they built the Tower of Babel. You know, like, oh, like, we're people, but can we be a little bit more powerful? You know, we can maybe even build this tower all the way up to the heavens and be more like him. And then we see Lucifer. He fell from heaven for the same sin. Like, well, this is good, but... It could be better if I was more like God. It's kind of that, that pride, that pride to be more than God created you to be. We're his people. We're to worship him, love him, adore him. We will for eternity, but we will never be God. And it's like right now in our society, it's saying, Casey, you as a woman have a right to know good and evil, to decide whether you end that life in your womb. That's your right, Casey. You should be like God and decide for yourself. That's a bunch of baloney. We weren't made to be God. We never will be God. God is the creator of life in the womb. And who are we to stop that? It's a lie, and it's been going on since the beginning of time. So what can we do about it, church? (laughs) What can we do about this? First, I just felt so compelled to go just to the gospel story. First and foremost, share with your friends, grandmas, relatives, neighbors, co-workers, the love of Jesus Christ that he has for each individual one of us. Because that love will penetrate their hearts and change their minds by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have a commission to share that love. Because when we know our position as a child of God, if everybody knew their position as a child of God, we would not have any more abortions. I know I'm oversimplifying things a little bit here, but think about that. If everyone knew and felt the conviction, and the love of our Heavenly Father, we could end this. Secondly, get involved in ministries like Alpha Center. We, as Victory Supports Alpha Center, it's a, it's a clinic area in Sioux Falls that provides support and medical support, counseling through birth and after birth for expectant mom, moms, I know they go into schools and do education, just a ton of things. Support ministries on the front lines that are doing things. It'll go a long way. And another thing we can do is pray. We have to be on our knees praying that God would change the hearts and minds of those who believe that this is still my right. No, they're just deceived. And please, church, don't, don't go to campuses with God hates abortion signs. I'm just asking you. That might be entirely true that he hates abortions, but you know what people read when they read hate signs? They read God hates me. 
I was on a campus where Christians came and did that. It was, it was very hurtful. It didn't do any good. It produced no fruit to scream what God hates. Okay? Love your neighbor. Lead them to Christ. Because a verse that I go back and back and back to is that in Timothy, in Timothy 2.4, it says, God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Say that, all men to be saved. Say that, all men to be saved. That's God's heart. It's God's heart from, from Genesis to Revelation. He doesn't send anyone to hell. It is God's heart that all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of truth. That's his heart. That's his heart for humanity collectively. That's his heart for you individually. And that is his heart for the babies in the womb. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just thank you, Lord, that you create all life, that life has value. It has purpose. Lord, I pray that we would just be on our knees in prayer for our neighbors, our friends. Lord, that they would come to this truth in you as a child of God. And in that truth, in that loving relationship with the maker, that you would change their hearts and their minds on this issue of life when life is valuable. Lord, change their hearts, change their minds, Lord, for your glory. And I just pray, God, that if there's anyone in this room, Lord, Um, who has been through the painful process of abortion, I do pray, Lord, that you would heal their heart, that there would be no condemnation from me or anyone else here. Lord, that we could love and nurture women who have gone through this, as well as single parents. Lord, that we could come alongside of believers and walk along them and support them. Lord, I thank you for life, and I pray that we as believers would continue to defend it. In Jesus' name, amen.